0: Welcome to the Help Desk for Monday, the 11th of January 2021. We made it, Tess.
1: Yeah, we did, Peter. Welcome back.
0: Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. Uh, How was the break? The
1: break was lovely, quiet, uh, not too much doom scrolling until
0: last week. (laughs) I, I didn't stop for a second doom scrolling, unfortunately, but then I then I put myself in Twitter jail for a couple of days and and uh, muted a whole bunch of people and felt much better about it. So that, mm. th- that was my uh, intro to 2021. But anyway, let, let's get to the story and the big story, of course, the only story that mattered last week was the perma ban on Trump, which came a little early or very, very late, depending on your perspective.
1: Yeah. So I was actually quite surprised with this news that Twitter had uh, used the word permanently to ban Donald Trump uh, and his account. So in response to the insurrection at the US Capitol building on January 6th, Twitter first froze Trump's account. And I really thought that they'd stick with that. They'd sort of Mm. put him in this sort of limbo suspension. Uh, I was yeah, surprised that they went for a permanent ban. And of course, just two weeks shy of... uh, Joe Biden being sworn in as the president of the US.
0: I think they had to once that Facebook uh, said that they were going to ban, ban him at least until the inauguration. For me, it, it first of all, it just shows that Zuck is a much better businessman than, than uh, Jack Dorsey, that he read the tea leaves and said, OK, we need to act now. And w- once one of the tech giants bans someone, uh, the others generally fall into place.
1: Yeah, and they really have fallen into place. Uh, so Facebook has at le- banned him at least for two weeks. Also banned from Instagram as well as a host of other online services. People were uh, pointing out that he has been—he can no longer, um, you know, pin things on Pinterest, uh, and he's uh, <laughs> not on Shopify either.
0: Oh no, poor thing! Can, can he get quarter pounders delivered to the White House? That's the big question.
1: And it's not just Trump and his accounts that the tech companies are worried about. Parler, which is the popular uh, social media app among Trump supporters, has been pulled from the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. And on Sunday afternoon... Australian time news broke that Amazon Web Services was kicking Parler off its cloud hosting service, meaning that the app will go on go offline um, unless they can find another hosting service.
0: And 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 once again, this just shows the massive weight of big tech. This this is all of 2020 condensed into a perfect story we have here because you know, like if if Amazon decided to pull. Uh, Twitter, for instance, that would take down Twitter. Like that is the power that they have, and we kind of forget that these these companies are all built on each other.
1: However, I guess Twitter has, you know, is slightly better at enforcing its own policies. And I guess the, the significance of the Taliban ban is, um, as BuzzFeed reports, that the app has basically been overrun with death threats, uh, celebrations of violence and posts encouraging, quote, patriots to march on Washington with weapons on January 19th, mm. the day before inauguration
0: and they're also calling on people to bomb AWS uh, server farms as well. So, you know, it's all it's all going well over there at Parlor. Um if you if you want to hear an amazing interview with the CEO of Parlor, then Cara Swisher has a great interview on her podcast Sway. I I'm, I'm a massive fan of hers and so yeah, check that out. She really does grill John mates of Parlor about what he he considers to be free speech and what she sees as the limitations there.
1: Do you think we're just going to, for the next week or so, have a, a series of stories of these supporters migrating from one platform to another platform as they slowly get switched off or shut down?
0: I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I've seen, you know, Cloudflare also speak out about this and, and Cloudflare is kind of the other company out there apart from Amazon that is able to kind of do that massive change server side and delete accounts. So I'm not sure there's much more. There, there are many more places for, for these kind of, uh, apps to go. But I don't know. I, I think it's worthwhile pointing out that all of this happened not only after the, the crazy scenes that we saw at the White House, but also the day that, uh, the Democrats took hold of the Senate. So the Democrats now, now control the House of Reps, the Senate and the presidency. And I think a lot of these uh, tech companies are just suddenly deciding that they better play nice with the new administration.
1: Oh, well, at least definitely in the last few days, they've demonstrated a willingness uh, mm. to to come to the table, at least. Yeah, it is, it is such a big change. I'm, I'm still just really surprised by it. It's such a big change from just labeling a tweet as uh, false or, you know, disleading deleting them after they've been seen by, you know, 80, was it 89 million followers. Mm. So I don't know, this was the week that the tech platforms did surprise me.
0: They really did. Yeah. Yeah. This was the week that I spent the whole week thinking, God, I wish I was doing an episode right now. And also at the same time, I'm so glad I'm not doing an episode right now because I just had no idea how to pass what I was seeing happening In the states, it's also worthwhile noting that this this ban is is going far further than Trump. It's it's a lot of basically anyone who is um, promoting QAnon as as a theory. And so uh, one of one of the amazing accounts in Australia, um, the the kind of figurehead of QAnon in Australia was a a man called Russell McGregor, who went by the uh, the very stable name of Kill AU Deep State on Twitter and he's also been taken off and most of his followers have been taken off as well. Uh so yeah, it's been it's been fascinating to see the way that this has rippled out through not just the the big accounts but yeah, any anyone who is supporting QAnon or uh saying that the election was was false.
1: Yeah, let the deprogramming begin.
0: <laughs> Indeed. So that was last week, which was insane. This week, this week coming up is CES, which is one of the biggest tech events of the year. Uh, so we, we, we thought we'd have a little kind of preview of what to expect this week.
1: Yeah. So normally, Peter, this time of the year, you would be what, on a plane to Las Vegas or just getting off a plane?
0: I'd be hungover and jet lagged in a, in a ca- casino somewhere in Las Vegas. Yes.
1: Are you missing that this year, or are you I'm happy not. to be where you are? <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is no place I would rather not be than the US right now.
1: Um, yeah, I, I haven't been to CES, but uh, for those listeners uh, who also may not know what we're talking about, uh, what is it, and why do we care about it?
0: Yeah, so it's the Consumer Electronics Show, and it happens every year, and it, it is kind of like the the big tent pole of of what the major companies, apart from Apple. Uh, the the major tech companies uh, that that actually produce stuff rather than say services and things like that uh, will get together and show off their their big big products for the next year. And so sometimes you see stuff that won't come out in in JB Hi-Fi until June or July. But it, but it is still a really interesting way to see where the markets are heading. What are the big trends that we can expect in twenty twenty one and and also it. Uh, if, if you're playing at home, if, you're, if you do need to upgrade your TV or something like that, you can also quite often get really good bargains this week as, as the very online crowd sees what's coming. All of the old stuff gets discounted for that.
1: Mm, good tip. And w- what do you think we should expect to see this year? Uh,
0: my big prediction, first of all, is I think they're going to be slick as hell productions uh, and presentations this year. So, You know, we've seen over the last year that Apple has moved to a very edited, very heavily edited uh, product launch for all of their new stuff. I think all of these, these CES announcements that normally have awkward one hour long presentations on stage... Because they don't have to do the stage thing now, they're going to be as slick as hell. They're going to be super edited. And we're we're going to actually finally see a CES that's probably worth watching for the first time in a long time. I'm I'm, I'm quite excited by the production values this year.
1: Yeah, so right. You're excited for the virtual version.
0: (laughs) I really am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, CES virtual all the time, baby.
1: Is there one kind of technology or buzzword that you think we'll hear a lot of?
0: Yeah, uh, I think that mini LED or some brands are calling it ULED will be the major talking point for a lot of the big TV manufacturers. So so CES, the way it falls into the calendar is uh, IFA, which is in Berlin. That tends to be the home appliance, big kind of conference. This is more the entertainment, the home Kind of conference. And so you're gonna see a lot of TVs. Uh, CES is just wall-to-wall TVs. And this year the big technology is Mini LED, which is the first technology that's really kind of taken on uh, OLED for a very long time. So Mini LED, you you've only really seen it in one product so far, which is uh, Apple's uh, XDR display, the 8000 dollars computer display that they make. And I'm sure we're all rocking uh, an 8000 dollars computer to display at home. So it'll be interesting to see where the mini LED falls on that pricing structure. For me, I can't understand why someone would buy mini LED over OLED if the pricing was the same so it'll be yeah that that for me is the the interesting thing to look out for what are the prices of these new mini leds cuz i'm sure every company apart from lg who makes oleds and and is famous for their oleds uh, i think every other company is going to push hard saying that mini led is now the best Picture quality that you can get. Just a quick breakdown of what the technology is. It's it's that every pixel is made up of three separate little LEDs, and and just like OLED, if a pixel is supposed to be black, the pixel doesn't fire. So there's no kind of leakage. There's no you know there's none of that kind of backlighting issue that you normally get with uh, QLED or LED or LCD or any of the other crappy names that they give these these kind of Technologies that aren't OLED.
1: And are there any other, I guess, big brands or brand names that we would be hearing a lot of this week? We're
0: going to hear a lot from Dell, we're going to hear a lot from HP, Samsung. Sony and LG, they're they're the ones that take over the major floor space of CES, Uh, and so they're going to be the the big ones this year as well. Funnily enough, actually, the last couple of years, uh, Hall 1, which is like this giant hall on the side, for for the last couple of years has moved from being the the home of crappy... Um, accessories for iPods and things like that. <laughs> That's for years what it was. And over the last couple of years, it's become the home of cars and e-bikes and things like that. So uh, expect to see a lot of e-bike uh, announcements and a lot of self-driving cars and a lot of EV cars coming out. The other big thing I would I, I would expect to see a lot of is uh, a focus on the home. Uh, obviously, we all spent far too much time at home this year or last year, and I, I expect to see a lot of fitness. Uh, you know, a lot of baby pelotons coming out, a lot of a, a lot of products based on making your home office better. you as an experience and probably a lot of uh you know the same old crap repackaged as uh home fitness or home office products so yeah that's that's the other big thing i'm expecting this year with anything ces it's always worthwhile looking at it with the idea of like is this going to be a shipping product or is this something that they're just doing for headlines
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the interesting things I've noticed not as a consumer technology journalist is the kind of companies that wouldn't be a traditional CES company showing up to uh, Mm. for a keynote or to unveil something. And a lot of those have been in in the car space. Uh, I even watched uh, or you know, read a press release a few years ago from a cruise company and I thought well, that must just you know, be a, a marketing campaign to show um, you know, how smart their cruise ships had gotten uh, <laughs> and that they really wanted to look innovative and sexy so they showed up to see us uh, to tell everyone about it.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that is that kind of noise uh, as opposed to the signal that uh, you, you're trying to focus on. And and CES is, is such a mess of a show. Uh, it really is. Uh, if if you've, you've never been... For years, as someone looking outside, I, I always got really annoyed when tech journalists would talk about how hard CES was. It's like, well, you know, I have a real job. Buggy you. Like... <laughs> Um, yeah. But CES really is uh, a hell of a a week, and I'm I'm once again I can't say how glad I am to be experiencing it virtually this year.
1: I think that is a good place to end it.
0: <laughs> it really is. Uh, thank you once again, Tess Bennett, for showing up today.
1: Thanks, Peter. Happy
0: and we'll to be all... back
1: for 2021.
0: Yeah, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. Have a great one.
1: Bye. Bye.